Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! You know I'm right on time when I'm still wearing my backpack when the TV stream comes on. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome in. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I am Coulter Nuanez. We're going to talk sports for the next two hours. I feel like I've been talking sports all day. I mean, that's what we do. We have this time of year especially, we have to pre-record so much of the stuff because that's just when people are available. Uh, as you know, you know, football practice is going on. Usually right about now, so not a lot of people available on the weekdays. But I had a whole bunch of great conversations today, and we'll play a lot of those uh, for you throughout uh, this show and throughout the rest of the week as well. Talked to Paul Wolf from Cal Poly for quite some time about the rebuild that's going on down there. Cal Poly, of course, in Bozeman on Saturday. Dr. Jason Eck for a while. Also talked to some people over at the University of Idaho just Get some of the ins and outs of uh, what's going on over there at Idaho. Certainly, uh, they're building and building. Uh, a little tease for a little later. Uh, Andrew Houghton, our producer here at ESPN, as well as uh, a great writer for us at SkylineSportsMT.com. He has been working on a long-form story about the University of Idaho, the football program, the Kibbe Dome, Moscow in general, and uh, the rise and fall and re-rise of the Idaho Vandals over the last... Uh, generation or so and uh so i'll be doing a, a heavy edit on that here the next day and we'll have that ready for you tomorrow evening at skylinesportsmt.com so excited for that but spend a good amount of time uh with people at idaho just uh, getting some of the ins and outs of what's going on over there it's homecoming in moscow so bold move a lot of times schools like to schedule games that they think they're going to win for homecoming that's particularly true at, at university of montana and at montana state well, the Grizz have been the homecoming opponent two weeks in a row now. They were the homecoming opponent last week for UC Davis. And um, now they're going to be the homecoming opponent here in Moscow as well. I don't know how much you read into that. I don't have to pick some game for homecoming, and he probably can't have homecoming in November. They only got four home games there at Idaho. So uh, certainly going to be an exciting weekend, though, in Moscow. I'm excited for it. I really i have thought since Idaho came back to the Big Sky Conference, I thought that Idaho being good was going to be a great thing for the Big Sky because not only do they have a fan base that was sort of dormant but is substantial, and they, they certainly have been uh, they, they've emerged from their um, from their hibernation, but also Montana and Montana State fans have a vested interest in Idaho. Maybe it's a hate or a vitriol, but it's certainly an interest. 
Idaho State, same thing. Eastern Washington, same thing. So you have a lot of natural rivalries. And so I just think it's cool. I think it's awesome that there's going to be a national TV game in Moscow that means something for both teams. I think it's really good. If the Grizz can get a win, enormous for the Grizz season. I mean, actually uh, would be a, a, a uh, windfall moment for Grizz football at this exact moment in time. And if you're Idaho, another reaffirmation of your re-arrival on the national scene. So we'll talk about this game a ton, including with Sam Herter of Hero Sports uh, here in just a few minutes. We also will hear on the Cal Poly at Montana State matchup from Eric Meyer. I want to get Eric Meyer's perspective on all the Big Sky Conference. When I first started covering the Big Sky back in the mid-2000s when I was a college student, Eric Meyer was the best player in the league. It was unquestionable he was the best player in the league. He was the quarterback at Eastern Washington, an absolute stud, multiple-time Big Sky Conference uh, Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, threw for more than 10,000 yards, 84 touchdowns and just 17 picks. Crazy. Well, he's now the uh, quarterback's coach and off and uh, passing game coordinator at Cal Poly. What's the challenge like coaching quarterbacks in this revamped system at a school that ran the triple option for several decades? Also, though, what's Eric Meyer's perspective on the Big Sky Conference? He's been around the league for 20-some years. How has he seen it change? So he'll join us about 4.30 Mac Anderson will tune in, uh, chime in, I, I should say, about 4.45. Goes hockey, uh, a home and away this upcoming weekend. And it's uh, a rivalry style. Montana State on the docket. So that should be big time. And we'll preview that action for you. Our number two, our ESPN Roundtable, will be a fun one. One of the most positive, effusive, and uh, energetic guys that I know. A guy that I am, am so proud to call my friend now uh, that he's done with his playing days with the Grizz. Samuel Kim. Uh, Sammy and I have been... Uh, Hanging out a little bit. The connecting factor is our other great friend, Rajim Seabrook. Rajim uh, has, of course, is a contributing co-host here on this show, but also just a, a great member of the community, a guy that really reaches out and really does a, a puts a big effort in to mentor uh, younger men and a particularly younger African-American men. And I think it's uh, it's awesome, the, the bridge that Rajim has built and really helped in this community. And I've gotten to know Sammy because of that. And Sam, Sammy always comes over and says what's up during our uh, ESPN College Game Day shows. And Sammy's also been producing these great breakdowns of Grizz football. He's been breaking down tape on YouTube. I just think it's awesome. I, I definitely think he has a future in, in sports analysis. So I said, hey, I want to give the people the update on all sorts of stuff. Your YouTube channel, this new in Denver you got going on. Also, your USFL playing career, what you've been up to. And also just talk some Grizz football. So Sammy and Cam will swing on by and hang out with us between 5 and 5.30. And then at 5.30, we'll have our Montana State Minute. Sebastian Valdez, defensive tackle for the Montana State Bobcats, will join us uh, here uh, on Nuanas Now as well. So there you go. That's your show outlook on this uh, Wednesday. If you want to stream the show, you always can. 1029ESPN.com. Click on Listen Live, and you'll find the stream. Also... Uh, if you want to be a part of the show, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests will join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. And you're going to want to remember that because it's a Wednesday. So that means it's a wing at Wednesday. We have a dozen wings for you from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. The Despo best wings in Missoula. No question about it. I'm sorry. These guys missed out on our big Desperado party on Monday night. I went there for Monday Night Football uh, thanks to Brian, the King of Wings, he gave us um, some some fun gift cards, and so we had some wings and some burgers and watched uh, one of the worst Monday night football games of the year, but certainly enjoyed the wings. And uh, so we'll give you some free wings. Remember that number, 406-888-1029, and all guests will join us via the Rangich Brothers uh, RV phone line. We're getting into the second half of the college football season. Oh, Sam's with us. Oh, good. I didn't hear the dial tone. Let's just get him in here. Second half of the college football season is upon us. We're going to learn a ton about each and every team. And we have so many Big Sky Conference games coming up that are big time and also so many games on the national level as well. Sam, appreciate you for tuning in, man. Thanks so much for being here. What's going on? How you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. And, yeah, this is uh, probably one of the bigger weekends of the FCS season just with looking at all, all the upcoming matchups. So uh, good to be on. First of all, I, I always peruse the polls, and and you know we we are so heavy on the Big Sky and the Missouri Valley out here. 
call it a proximity bias, but I also just think that's what our listeners want to hear about. And I also think that those are the two best leagues in the in the country, bar none. I think there's no question about it. But I always like to get your perspective on some of the other teams from some of the other leagues, just because you do such a great job of following this thing on the national level. So, uh, first of all, wanted to ask you about Incarnate Word. Incarnate Word is actually a, an interesting program because they landed on my radar back in 2018 when they were sort of an upstart program. They'd only been Division One for a couple years. Eric Morris was there, and he was from the Mike Leach coaching tree. Um, and they, they, you know, they get they came they burst on the scene early because they were throwing the ball all over the place. And being in Texas, they certainly ha- have gotten some really talented quarterback recruits. Uh, one of them is now the starting guy at Washington State. Another one was a finalist for the Walter Payton Award last year. But Incarnate Word made it to the Final Four last year, gave NDSU a big-time run for their money in Fargo, but then uh, ended up falling in, in a great game. And they had some multiple classic playoff games. But I don't know anything about this Incarnate Word team, except for that they're 4-1 and one right now, and they're ranked number 7 in the country. I know Lindsey Scott's no longer there. What, what's your take on Incarnate Word? What can you tell us about them? Yeah, this team, even through five games, is still really tough to gauge. And honestly, I think they're going to be pretty hard to gauge uh, all season because their their strength of schedule isn't going to be strong. Uh, you know, they play in the Southland, and the Southland Conference, uh, you know, has really, um, you know, it's always been kind of a middling, uh, I guess I would say, FCS conference, but the conference has gotten worse over the last couple of years. That's a combination of, uh, you know, Sam Houston uh, left, Central Arkansas left. Uh, we also had teams like McNeese kind of, they're dropping back down. Uh, Nichols is kind of dropping back down as far as, you know, how competitive they are. And then, you know, the last couple of years, it's been UIW and Southeastern Louisiana University who have been the top two teams. Well, SLU is now 0-5 or 0-6. And so they've really dropped down um, in their level of play. So it really is just UIW. Um, and I think they're going to run through uh, this conference with relative ease, but we don't really have a good gauge of how good they are, um, especially because their roster is pretty new look. You know, if they had, uh, a lot of their guys coming back from last year, we can kind of take that as as kind of a base level knowledge. Of, okay, we know these guys are talented because we saw the same look team, you know, go all the way to the semifinals. Well, from last year's team, they lost, uh, you know, a majority of their starters. Uh, a lot of guys followed their head coach, uh, DJ Kinney, to Texas State. Um, and so they lost, like, I want to say it was like 15 guys to the FBS through the transfer portal. And in return, they bring in 20 FBS transfers. So it is a, it is a new look uh, roster. Uh, you know, they do have pretty decent quarterback play. Uh, once again, Zach Calzada, uh, he's a Power 5 transfer. He actually started like 10 games a couple of years ago uh, at, at, uh, at Texas A&M. You know, a lot of people around the SEC know his name because Zach Calzada, two years ago, uh, he actually beat number one Alabama and played really well in that. And, um, you know, he's since found his way at UIW, and he's playing pretty decent, a little more inconsistent. Uh, you know, but as far as where this team lands in the national landscape, I think they are you know, probably a, a for sure top 15 team, possibly a top 10 team. But again, with their schedule, you, d- you just don't really know how they stack up. Several things uh, on that uh, uh, yeah, sparked my mind going a little bit. First of all, you mentioned Southeastern Louisiana. And when Eastern Washington beat Southeastern Louisiana, uh, they were ranked. And, and now they're off to this tough start. So how do you balance that? Because that's a big conversation point. We're going to get to that same dynamic when it comes to, like, the Grizz winning at UC Davis this last week. So let's just dive into it. There's been so much made about Montana and their road struggles and and all that. There was the statistic where Montana hadn't beaten a ranked team with a winning record on the road that then also that team finished with a winning record in 10 years. I always like to take it with a grain of salt. When you beat a team that week that was ranked highly, I think you should get credit for that and maybe not retrospectively have that win downgraded by the end of the year. But there also is some validity to that, too. Maybe the team was overrated or overranked or whatever. So same case here with Southeastern Louisiana. How do you balance that dynamic when it comes to, first of all, putting together your poll, but also just the influence that that might have on the the playoff bracketing later on in the year? Yeah, I asked the playoff committee chair last year how they – uh, because they do look at number of ranked wins when it comes to your resume. And I asked, is it, you know, ranked wins? Do you count ranked wins as far as, you know, a team was ranked at the time or wins over teams who are currently ranked? Um, and they, they basically look at it as teams that were ranked at the time uh, you played them. But, you know, it does kind of balance out where, um, you know, yeah, beating Eastern, or Eastern Washington, beating SLU, that counts as a ranked win. But, you know, they also look at the total record of your opponents. And sure. So, yeah, that's a ranked win for Eastern Washington. But if Southeastern Louisiana 
you know, finishes two and nine, that kind of balances out, you know, the overall resume for a team like Eastern Washington. Uh, you know, for me, I, I think it, and this is kind of why it's important to obviously look beyond just the on-paper resumes and, you know, what you see on paper because there is a balance where, um, you know, let's say let's say UC Davis, you know, they're not ranked by the end of the year. Um, you know, in, in a way, you know, that could make Montana's ranked win over UC Davis. Maybe it doesn't age, you know, as well because UC Davis isn't ranked. But you still have to look beyond that because let's say UC Davis finishes six and five. Sure. Well, the reason they're not they're not ranked is because you know they lost to Montana. If they didn't lose to Montana, right. they would have been seven and four, probably ranked. But if UC Davis finishes four and seven, okay, then you know how good of a win you know was that for Montana? And so that's why um, it's so difficult when you when you look at resumes and you say this team has four ranked wins. Well, you should still probably look a little bit more beyond that and and still kind of evaluate. Okay, these are the teams that they beat. Um, you know, how these teams finish the season and, and those type of things. Sam Herter, Hero Sports and Bet MGM here on Nuanas Now, his weekly appearance to help us lead the Wednesday show. The only thing that talking about Incarnate Word got me thinking about, Sam, was last week we talked very in-depth about this new application fee for teams that are from the FCS that want to move to the FBS. And we talked about, you know, some of the, the the schools that have been uh, in those conversations, and you and I are both in agreement that if it was one of these flagship schools at a state university that really did want to make the move, they'd probably figure out a way to get that money taken care of because they're going to have to figure out a way to get money from multiple different sectors to, to make the move. But I thought on the other side of this, I just got to thinking, like, this is really all about Texas. <laughs> or this is really just all about that part of the country, Texas and maybe the southeast because it's just it's been so much easier, but also so much more alluring for schools to make the jump rapidly, even if they have a lot of missing factors that maybe go into building an FBS program. You think of, you know, a, a Sam Houston, for example, great in the FCS, but you know they're not drawn very well at all. Their home field, uh, you know, the, the the field they play on, no one would say that that's some sort of elite facility. So I wonder how much of this is just uh, to uh, to impact and maybe deter certain regions, particularly ones where. There's just an FBS fever, especially in the Lone Star State. Yeah, you know, that, that could be the case, uh, you know, especially, you know, again, it, a lot of this goes back to money and the more teams that go from FCS to the FBS, you know, that that's that's more teams that are taking a, a piece of that college football playoff revenue pot, you know, taking away potential future uh, bowl games um, and all that. And it is interesting. I mean, we've talked so much about, you know, FCS to FBS move ups and, and, you know, how they happen and why they happen and why these teams um, and, you know, on field football success, as weird as it sounds, that is maybe not even in the top five criteria sure. of what it takes to move up to uh, the FBS. And if there was, you know, just for whatever reason, a ton of movements, you know, in and around the Mountain West Conference over the last few years, then, yeah, maybe an NDSU or Montana, Montana State, you know, could have found their way up to the FBS. But recently it's been so, like you said, in, in the south, southeast as far as movements. You know, Conference USA has gotten raided. Uh, that's left Conference USA to add teams like Jacksonville State and Sam Houston and, um, you know, and Kennesaw State. And so it does seem like the next teams that are going to move up, you know, could be teams that go to Conference USA. And there are a lot of Texas teams, you know, from the FCS. I look at a Tarleton State. Um, SFA, you know, is in that mix as well. You know, McNeese, they're in Louisiana. They're also are kind of in, in a huge want to to go to the FBS. And so, um, yeah, I think overall, you know, that, that fee increase is overall pretty supported across the FCS and the FBS. But I can certainly see other G5 teams in, in Texas or Louisiana, you know, liking this even more just to prevent some of those other teams from, from moving up. For those that are watching on television, don't mind me. While Sam was answering, I was intently listening, but also the San Francisco Giants painting that I have hanging in the corner. It's been driving me crazy because we're in the Major League Baseball playoffs, and here on ESPN Radio, we've been playing all the games. Guess who's not in the playoffs? Sorry, Safford, but the San Francisco Giants did not make the playoffs. I was noticing it on the TV, so I decided to go change the picture to a uh, an old picture of uh, Bobby Houck, who's still the head coach of Montana, and Jeff Choate, former head coach of Montana State. And then, of course, after I changed the photo... Uh, on the wall. It fell off of the wall. <laughs> so don't mind me. I'm just over here being crazy while we're learning all about the FCS with our good buddy Sam Herter. Uh, Sam, the other uh, uh, program I wanted to ask you about before we get to some of these big, big sky matchups this year 
is Western Carolina. They are 5-1 and one right now. They're 3-0 and oh in the SoCon. They're number nine in the polls this week. Uh, they're coming off of a 52-50 win over a uh, Chattanooga team that was ranked in the top 25, and they got to buy this week, so you think they're probably going to hang in the top 10 for at least another week, depending on what happens. I know nothing uh, about this squad. What can you tell us about Western Carolina? Yeah, WCU, the Catamounts, you know, they've, in, in recent years, they've always been pretty competitive, you know, in, in the SoCon. And if you're a, a competitive team in the SoCon, you're always probably, you know, at least in the top half of, of the FCS, the 130-team uh, subdivision, but, you know, never really threatened for a top 25 ranking or anything like that. Uh, they, they, they've gone like 4-4 four and four in the SoCon standings the last couple of years. Uh, last season, they went 6-5, and five, and I think they're just putting it all together. Uh, this year, and they've had some, you know, some younger players. Uh, like, you know, last year Desmond Reed was uh, a freshman All-American. You know, a really good running back for them, a thousand-yard rusher, I believe. Well, this year, you know, he's gone from, you know, being a freshman All-American to being an All-FCS All-American type running back. He is um, an elite running back uh, in the FCS. Uh, Desmond Reed, he, you know, he did leave that Chattanooga game. Uh, I think it was in the second or third quarter, and he had a long touchdown run, um, and it looked like he, he looked like he pulled up with a, you know, some type of hamstring injury or something like that. Uh, but you know, even though he left the game halfway through, he still were, was over 211 rushing yards um, in that in that win over Chattanooga. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think the defensive concerns for Western um, are fair, especially after that 52-50 shootout. But you know, I looked at it as they were. Western was already one of the hottest teams in the FCS. Uh, they went on the road. They got Chattanooga's absolute best shots. Uh, they were without their All-American running back for the second half uh, of that game, and they still found a way uh, to win. And I really like their quarterback as well, Cole Gonzalez. Uh, you know, he can sling it. So, um, in my opinion, I think they're a good-looking football squad. You know, I don't know where they're at as far as, you know, how they stack up against South Dakota State. Um, you know, they probably, you know, won't win uh, a national title um, in this type of conversation. But, you know, I do think they could they could threaten to, to at least make a run to the quarterfinals. I lied. I got one more for you. Got to know more about South Dakota. We talked about how they were able to go in the Fargo Dome and beat North Dakota State a couple weeks ago. But they're still chugging along. 2-0 in the Missouri Valley. 4-1 overall. Ranked 10th in the country. Um does this, this tell us what you know about USD? Yeah, I mean USD. They obviously the the win over NDSU has carried a lot of weight for them as far as you know rising up the rankings, you know, pretty fast. Uh, but they have also taken care of all their other FCS uh, opponents. Now the, the the three other FCS opponents they've played, you know, are are not really strong FCS opponents at all. But they've still won. I think it's like 93 to 17, uh, 93 to 17, something like that, um, against their other other three FCS opponents. Uh, so they've rolled them. Uh, you know, they they uh, won at NDSU a couple of weeks ago. That was a game that we talked about where you know the Yotes just just straight up beat NDSU and they were up you know double digit points for most of that game. Um, and you know I think they're really built built well uh, defensively. Uh, you know, defensive line I think is holding up pretty well physically. Uh, they have a couple of really good linebackers uh, that I really like. Uh, but then offensively, I think they're just, they're just really balanced. You know, Aiden Bauman is a is a big six foot five left handed quarterback that uh, you know he could make all the throws. But I really like the running game uh, as well. They got a couple of physical running backs. Travis Tice kind of sets the tone uh, at running back for them. Um, so I think. You know they were they really struggled down the stretch last year, but they they USD has always kind of had you know pretty good talent, and they are investing you know in football success. It isn't to the level of like a Montana or a South Dakota State uh, as far as you know um, the the resources they have and the fan support they have, but they still are you know pretty well resourced compared to the rest of the FCS. And so um, USD is always a team that has been in the playoff conversation for the last handful of years, but they've never really taken that next step as a program. And, you know, we'll see if they can capitalize on this momentum and keep it rolling. Totally. I mean, Dakota's, both the North and South Dakota as states, as well as Wyoming, do a good job of allotting state resources toward uh, college athletics in general and, and college football. So not a surprise that South Dakota's been able to remain competitive, although even if they have been a little bit overshadowed by their Missouri Valley Conference peers like South Dakota State, uh, and North Dakota State, maybe even UND. Sam Herder, Hero Sports here. On to on is now ESPN Radio. Uh, let's talk about a couple of the Big Sky games. First of all, a game of the week this week, for the second week in a row probably in the Big Sky, involves Montana. Grizz on the road for the second week in a row. They're playing at the Kibbe Dome against third-ranked Idaho. I've been exceptionally impressed with how quickly Jason Eck has been uh, able to get it going there at Idaho. 
When Idaho got rid of Paul Petrino, I said I thought that was one of the best jobs in college football for no other reason than whoever they hired was not the guy who came before him, and that in itself was going to carry so much weight with their fan base, their alumni, their boosters, and everything in between. That's come across in spades. I also thought they would have almost no expectations as long as there was positive momentum behind the program. Well, Jason Eck created expectations right away. He came into Missoula and won his first trip there, uh, took Idaho to the playoffs in year one, and they kept the momentum going. They're 3-0 and in the big sky, 5-1 and overall. They got an FBS win over Nevada. All things are going right for the University of Idaho at this moment, but it's still going to be a huge test. I know the Grizz have left some stuff to be desired, but they certainly have looked better, especially last week. And uh, they have an a, um, identical 5-1 record uh, as the Vandals. This thing's going to be on TV for all the world to see on ESPN2 on Saturday night. So uh, what's your thoughts, Sam? What, uh, what are some of the, the key things you're going to be watching uh, from the Kibbe Dome on Saturday? Yeah, for me, you know, I, I look at Idaho, and you don't really see a whole lot of weaknesses there. I think they're playing, uh, you know, really well uh, defensively, especially in their passing game um, or their passing defense. I think Idaho's front seven is also playing much better than expected, uh, especially after some of the talent they lost from last year. Uh, and then offensively, I mean, we all know Giovanni McCoy. We all know Hayden Hatton. But, you know, I think arguably their best offensive player this year has been their running back, Anthony Woods, who's playing, you know, at a very, very high level. Uh, the one thing I am curious about is, you know, Idaho's offensive line uh, has played uh, – they, they, they face a certain level of, of question marks this year. Um, I think Idaho, you know, just watching them from the naked eye, it seems like run blocking-wise, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty strong in the run blocking, but it does seem like Johnny McCoy sometimes gets off his spots and does, you know, sometimes feel the pressure. Um, and so pass blocking for Idaho it was going to be key in this one. Um, and that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand on the flip side where Montana, we're so used to seeing them, you know, just always getting in the face of the quarterback. And the Grizz haven't necessarily gotten that level of pressure that they've gotten in past years. Um, and so that is one matchup I'm really interested in seeing is, um, you know, if you let McCoy back there for two, three seconds, I mean, he's got three really good wide receivers to pick from. Um, and so can Montana generate uh, the pressure that we're used to seeing them generate. And then on the flip side, uh, I mean, the Grizz, you know, obviously found something. Uh, their offense looked much different than, than what it, last week than what it did in September. You know, I thought Clifton McDowell uh, looked really good. You know, at quarterback, you know, he's not going to absolutely wow you, you know, with his arm. But I thought Montana called a good game to, um, you know, make the throws that he's comfortable making. Um, and, you know, I thought the offensive line, too, looked much better for Montana. I know the – you know, the rushing numbers weren't weren't gaudy by any means, but just the flow of that game against UC Davis, it just seemed like the Grizz were, were getting a push and kind of taking over that game with the time of possession against UC Davis. Um, and, and so can they uh, can they do that against Idaho? You know, I don't know if you necessarily want McDowell throwing the ball, you know, 30 times in this game. You still want to establish that run. And so um, that'll be another big matchup on that side of the ball. He's Sam Herter. You can find all his great writings at heroesports.com. You can also follow him on Twitter, and you can also hear him each Wednesday during the 4 o'clock hour right here on Nuwana's Dow. Sam, appreciate the time, man. We'll catch up with you next week, but to have yourself a great rest of the week and weekend, and thanks so much for being here. All right, thank you. If you're headed over to Moscow, or you need a reason to head over to Moscow, other than this game on Saturday night, how about on Friday night? The second annual and second ever Tap the Keg event at the Kibbe Dome. It's at the uh, Dan O'Brien Track and Field Complex. That's like the track that's just there inside the, the dome. And it's part of Idaho's homecoming festivities. Keep those texts coming in. We have uh, some passes for you. So it, we have a handful. We're going to select winners from everybody that texts in. 406-888-1029. You want to go to Tap the Keg on Friday night? Sample some beers from around the state and region? 406-888-1029. It goes from 3 until 8 p.m. The Idaho Alumni Association reached out and said they want they want to make sure that people that are coming over from Montana know that they are welcome. This is a rivalry for sure, but people over there in Moscow are friendly just like they are here in Montana. So if you want something to do Friday night, want to go sample some great beers, come on down to the event. And also, if you want some free tickets, text us right now, 406-888-1029. Nuanas now, ESPN Radio, Eric Meyer, one of the all-time great quarterbacks in the history of the Big Sky Conference. He's now coaching quarterbacks in the Big Sky at Cal Poly. What's the process been like, and how has he seen the league change? He'll join us next, right here. Keep it right uh, here on 1029 ESPN Radio.
Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice. And that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultilaw.com. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. I can't believe Macklemore is coming here. It's been such a huge part of the show only because it was just this hilarious shtick that we had once upon a time. And uh, now I'm probably going to have to eat my words because I think there's going to be a lot of people at the Adams Center tonight. So it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, this is just totally spur of the moment. I somehow missed that Macklemore was even coming until I heard about it last week. And then a pal calls and says, hey, I got a ticket. You want to go? And I was like, well, how can I not go to that? So myself, Andrew, we'll be, uh, we'll make, be making our way down to the Adams Center uh, this evening for a little Macklemore. Uh, he was in Spokane last night and was talking to some, uh, I was talking to some folks from over that way that went and they said it was awesome. So it should be a fun night. For those that are relatively new to the show, uh, I've been steering the ship here with uh, plenty of support and help from a variety of different contributors for the last couple of years. But for my first I guess it would have been three years here at ESPN Radio. I had a, a co-host, Ryan Tutel, who many of you are very familiar with and uh, who actually was kind enough to grace us with his presence a couple weeks ago for a little uh, conversation around the wide world of sports. But uh, Ryan and I used to always argue because <laughs> we play a bunch of music on this show. I know a ton of this music you guys all know really well. And, and you know, I go old school a lot and I hear a lot from the, the classic rock fans among you when we do that, or the country music, country western fans, when we do that. We're also playing a lot of hip-hop stuff on here, and there's certainly a niche audience for that as well. But Ryan and I used to always argue, what percentage of our fan base, of our listenership, actually knows who Macklemore is? And I was always saying that it's probably about 40 or 50%. He was always saying, oh, no, it's got to be 90 to 95%. Everybody knows who Macklemore is. And, you know, I, I, I guess there was... There's a moment in time, I, I actually think that there's a couple Macklemore songs that people certainly know. I just don't know if they know him specifically. It is a regional deal. I mean, he's from Seattle, so I don't know. We'll see. I can't wait to see the turnout tonight. I'm probably going to be very wrong. Maybe everybody in the whole world knows who Macklemore is. My gauge is always, does my mom and the producer's mom and the co-host's mom, do they know who it is? If they don't know, then they're not as famous as you think. Like, they all know who Taylor Swift is. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, I don't know. Maybe not that good of a litmus test, but uh, it's just certainly been a fun piece of fodder here on uh, this show. And uh, so, I'll be excited to see it live and in person tonight at the Adam Center. Well, now that I rambled on and on about Macklemore for hours at a time, uh, welcome back. It's Nuhana's now. You're listening on ESPN Radio. Uh, you are maybe streaming on the ESPN MT app, or maybe you're watching on the uh, SWX Montana television. I got into uh, a little bit of basketball mode today. It always breaks my brain when, you know, basketball's coming down the pipe, but it's still the height of football season. It's really hard to balance it all. But I do love hoops. And, I mean, we bread and butter's football, and, you know, I take great pride in studying the acumen of the game and all the ins and outs of it. And, and I think that's one thing that I think all you appreciate is our ability to break it down like that. But but hoops is just so fun because it's just it's just so much more fluid and, and artistic and improvisational. And so we were getting some stuff set up uh, down at the University of Montana today. Uh, excited for that. Also was putting some uh, hooks in the water, trying to um, make sure we, we can continue our, 
our stuff with Bobcat basketball. Last couple of years, Danny Sprinkle of Montana State was so great to give us a, a weekly segment with him. We also have, have our Grizz Star of the Week every week um, on the player side of things, but also efforting to tr- maybe do something similar with head coach Travis DeCure or, or a combination of his coaching staff as well. Uh, Chris Cobb, uh, the associate head coach, has also always been great about coming on. So we're just brainstorming some ideas today, but it just got me thinking about hoops. And then I, I was looking through my emails, and this the thing that Gmail does now is – it reminds you when you've been negligent, like when you open an email and then you haven't responded to it or you're waiting for a reply or you haven't given it a reply, it bumps it up top and says, it's been five days. What are you doing with this email? Well, I got my I got my negligence bump on uh, the Big Sky all-conference ballots. And so uh, I'll be filling those out. They're due on Friday. So I'll certainly wait until tomorrow night to finish them. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll have our preseason picks and our preseason teams for you, and uh, we'll chat that up uh, probably early on next week. And then when the the official teams and and uh, preseason rankings come out, um, we'll certainly have more commentary and conversation about that. We were expecting Eric Meyer, Cal Poly, to join us, uh, but we have not received the call. So. Here we are, just talking our way around the uh, the wide world of sports. Um, Andrew, I last year voted for um, Dylan Jones as my preseason MVP, and that ended up coming to fruition. He was the he was the postseason MVP, right? Uh, Weber State. No, Steel Venters. Oh, was. Steel Venters, of course, right? Steel Venters is like a, completely exited my mind because he just left the league and he went to Gonzaga and. And I just don't even think about him anymore, which is too bad because he was, of course, the Big Sky MVP a year ago. Either way, I, I guess that's what I thought. I guess maybe I, I tricked myself mentally by voting for Dylan Jones in the preseason and then affirming in my mind that I got it right because I thought he should have been the MVP last year, even though that still Vedders had a great year. But uh, spoiler alert, I'm definitely going to vote for Dylan Jones again at Weber State as my preseason MVP. But I was thinking about it on the women's side. Who the heck are we going to vote for for preseason MVP on the women's side? Because there's so many different faces that are no longer in the league, whether it's the the stud duo at Sacramento State, who was the league champions a year ago, Darian White and that great group at Montana State's not there anymore. I mean, Carmen G. Fuller's probably at Montana is probably the most familiar face, and she's a great player. But can, can you justify voting a, a, a girl preseason MVP that was on the fifth or sixth place team a year ago? I don't know. It's interesting. What, what do you think? Just your initial thought. What's what are you thinking for preseason uh, women's hoops MVP? Well, my initial thought is that it's probably going to be Carmen G. Feller, and I haven't thought about it a ton, but she checks off a ton of the boxes. I mean, she's a multiple-time All-League player. She's already a thousand-point scorer. She's a sixth-year senior. She's sort of the face of of one of the most prominent programs in the league. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of boxes that she checks. And she's, you know, she's a devastating scorer. She's a three-level scorer for that team. She can hurt you from anywhere on the court. I think she's going to put up big numbers. But like you, I've got some reservations, and I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else was the MVP at the end of the season. Some other names I considered, uh, the two scoring point guards on sort of downtrodden teams last year. Hannah Simmental is back for Northern Colorado. She's going to fill it up. Esmeralda Morales is back for Portland State. That's she, an interesting one. She uh, she was great all year last year, but then was you know one of the stars of the conference tournament last year. And, I mean, her seven three-pointers against Montana State were were daggers that, that certainly had a huge contribution to knocking the Bobcats out way before they planned on getting knocked out. On ESPN.com, the mothership, yep. where they picked preseason conference players of the year for every conference. You can go and look at it. They did it for men's and women's. They picked Eastern Washington point guard Jamie Loera. Loretta, which I yeah. kind of understand because she's yeah. a great defensive player. I think she led the conference steals last year. Great two-way player. I think she was. Was she the defensive player of the year I last believe year? she was the yeah. defensive player of the yep. year. Great assist to turnover ratio. I'm never going to vote for somebody who shoots 35% from the field and like 24% from three. I just don't think regardless of how good a defensive player and how good a floor general you are, that's ever going to make you the most valuable player in the league. So I can't go there. But what about one of the younger players for Eastern Washington, Jacinta Buckley? What about J.D. Martin for Eastern Washington? I think they could be in the conversation. Ole Alexander. At the end of the year as well. And you know Montana State's going to have somebody emerge. Yep. You know Northern Arizona is going to have somebody emerge. And I would guess, Coulter, 
that Montana is going to have another player to emerge as well, whether that's Matt Koenig making the leap this year uh, or somebody else. I would guess they're going to have a player that emerges. And the last one I would mention, Laura Bellows back at Idaho State after she met, she entered the transfer portal in the offseason, dropped out of the transfer portal, came back to Idaho State. You know that team's going to be competitive. You know Laura Bellows is going to put up big numbers. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating, too, because sometimes I just get in my own way on this. First of all, I voted for Darian White for Big Sky Preseason MVP for three years in a row because I think she's the most valuable player. I think she did, did the most stuff. Did the most stuff well, was the most impactful on winning. She's not there anymore. She's not at Nebraska. But I always have a hard time casting a vote for something that could be. I mean, Montana State's certainly going to have a player or two or three that rise to the occasion could be pretty pretty or really productive. Is it you know, Lexi Deaton, Caitlin Lamardo, Mara Dykstra? Who's in that mix there at MSU? You know Sac State's going to have a transfer that's one of the best players in the league. When you're talking about the Eastern Washington gals, they are actually probably the most proven. But how do you differentiate between them? Because I do think they're all going to sort of take from each other when it comes to productivity. That's why I think Eastern could be pretty dang good. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm going to have to think about this quite a lot. Carmen G. has a similar deal. She's one of the most proven, reputable, and popular players in the league. Do her statistics take a dip this year only because there's so many other talented players on Montana, I think the Lady Grizz have among the most talented in the league. How they get that talent to gel, though. If There's going to be a player or two that's going to have to take a diminished role compared to what they had a year ago. How do they react? How does that work in terms of their continuity and chemistry? So I know it's going to be fascinating to break it all down. Uh, on the men's side, I think that there's only a, a couple of the last men standing in the league. The whole rest of the league just went, said bye-bye. So... It's, it's Dylan Jones and, and On and Moody at Montana that are sort of the headliners. Montana State is all new. I know State has a couple returners, but how big a headliners are those guys? I don't really know. Idaho is going to be pretty much all new. They have a new coach. Sac State is going to be pretty dang new. Uh, they have a whole bunch of transfers coming in, uh, you know, re- relatively new coach. So th- there's a lot, a lot, a lot to uh, be determined when it comes to uh, big sky hoops. Speaking of other winter sports, let's talk some Grizz hockey. Mike Anderson, Grizz hockey team, will join us next. Keep it right here. They want us now, ESPN Radio. One, two, three. Want us now on ESPN Radio. Uh, Macklemore has, I think, five or six songs on on the streaming services that have more than a billion streams. So that, you know that that disproves my notion that. He's maybe not as mainstream popular as as I, or maybe he's way more mainstream popular than I think, I should say. But the album The Heist is an awesome album, and, and that's one of my favorite songs out of it. I don't know if that one was much of a hit when it came out, but uh, I don't know. I'm an album guy. What can I say? Welcome back to What Is Now, ESPN Radio, SWX, Montana Television, and the uh, ESPN MT app. The uh, Grizz hockey team had a bit of a marathon last week. Uh, it's certainly become a, a common challenge playing three games in three days. And that's exactly what uh, Grizz Hockey had to do last weekend. They were all at home. They played Thursday, Friday, uh, and Saturday. And uh, had some challenging competition. Uh, Grizz Hockey now, after their uh, 7-2 to loss to Weber State and 7-3 to loss to Utah State, they sit at 4-2. and two. But they got a rivalry clash times two coming up this upcoming weekend. Friday night at the Glacier Ice Rink, Montana State is in town. And then Saturday uh, in Bozeman uh, at the Galton Ice Rink, uh, the Grizz play there against the Cats. We're joined now by Grizz hockey coach Mike Anderson. And before we uh, get into the weekend that's coming up, Coach, just take us through last weekend. Uh, a little bit tough suffering your first couple losses, but... What'd you like? What do you want to correct? Just give us the breakdown of uh, the three games in three days. Yeah, so we had some uh, some good moments throughout. I think we actually played a lot better than the score would indicate. Uh, but both Weber and Utah State, as I mentioned, you know, last week are really good programs with good teams, and and we made a few mistakes that cost us. And then you know, towards the end of the game, sometimes in hockey pucks that usually don't go in. 
do it. It tends to happen in bunches sometimes, and unfortunately, two nights in a row, we found ourselves um, in games where we certainly felt like we played better than the final score. However, you know, we're still trying to figure out who we are as a group. You know, it's the last two seasons we've added 10, 12 guys each season, so we're still getting to know people. They're still getting to know each other and, and really trying to mesh and figure this out. So I think it was a good uh, wake-up call to to what this level is and a reminder for some of the, the guys returning and a good uh, a good uh, welcoming to the ACHA to a couple of uh, a lot of the uh, new guys this year. So it was a good weekend as far as um, learning more about ourselves and, and seeing how we respond this weekend against MSU. The I mean, chemistry is a huge part of, of all team sports, no doubt. But it seems to me the team sports that involve spacing, passing, improvisation, playing off of each other, nonverbal communication, I'm thinking mainly hockey, basketball, and soccer. you got to have great uh, chemistry. I mean, you got to be able to sort of know each other. So, I mean, how what's that learning process like when it comes to hockey? And, uh, I mean, I guess... If there was a way to accelerate it, everybody would do it. But, I mean, how have you thought your team's done so far, right? Yeah, I think uh, you're spot on with sports that are fluid like that and that require um, thinking on the fly and then thinking as a group. And I think that with us, you know, we had we had moments where, you know, we tried, tried some new lines out too and we're mixing guys around, and, and that can be tough. And so we're still trying to uh, find the right fits for everybody and, and make sure that they they understand each other. And, you know, at practice you work on playing as many game-like situations as possible, getting them with lots of puck touches and situations where they make decisions and read off each other. And, yeah, it just takes time. There really isn't any shortcut. If if you're fortunate, then guys have that natural connection that that pumps them off right away. We certainly have a few guys who've had that. So just as a group figuring out what it takes uh, to really play a full 60 of high-level winning hockey and, and we're learning, and we're getting there, and we have the group to do it. It's just a matter of uh, really committing ourselves to it. Mike Anderson, Gris Hockey Coach here on Nuanas. Now, do this might be a silly question, but I hope not. Do bus trips <laughs> help it? I mean, does spending a lot of time when there's guys that are sort of getting to know each other on the bus, does that help? It it definitely does. And, you know, we had that trip to Cheney that that uh, really helped that. We That's why at the beginning of the year we get the guys here in August. And it's all team bonding stuff right? to really try and accelerate that. We get them on a bus to head out to do a rafting trip. We get them on, you know, raft together for four hours. And you're really just trying to create those, those environments where they have to interact, where they have to rely on each other and they have to communicate. So that is a set, you know, what you're trying to do at the beginning of the year. And, and you're right. The bus trips are a big part of that. Um, so we're, you know, we're on our second road trip coming up Saturday, not an overnight, but certainly, you know, three hours heading to Bozeman, going into a really tough building together, going through all that together, going through those difficult times. You know, coaches love the word adversity. I think it's a bit of a strong one for playing a sport together, but there is certainly times where you're going to learn about yourself as a group and as individual players, and road trips like this are, are big parts of that. Kozaki, at home, we your ice rink Friday night, 7.30 against Montana State, and then in Bozeman again against the Cats on Saturday, 7.30 puck drops on Saturday as well. Uh, give us the scout. I mean, Montana State has been a formidable opponent these last couple of years for you guys uh, since you got this program started. Uh, do you expect the same out of the Cats? And, and uh, what's just sort of the, the scout on this matchup coming up? Oh, yeah. MSU is, is you know, it's been a, a, a blessing and a curse having such a strong program uh, out of them right away. It's given us a great parameter and thing to to search for, and it's also been uh, tough being the Grizz and knowing that we're playing against one of the top teams in the nation that happens to be you know the state's biggest rival. Uh, so it's a big game that fans care about and uh, get into, and it it can be hard to uh, to deal with the fact that you know they're years ahead of us in building the program and they have a really good team. And and to be honest, the fact that we're even competitive with them and, and play good games with them at this point is a huge, huge progress for us, but we're really looking, we know we have the group to beat them this year. They're, they're everything they always are. They're fast. They play hard. They're deep. They have a really good goalie and uh, they get after it and they get up for these games. And then we're looking forward to the challenge this weekend of playing one of the top teams in the nation and also our biggest rival. So it's going to be a lot of fun. 
keys for you guys uh, in either of these ones? And also, just what's the dynamic like when you have to play the exact same team two nights in a row, but in different venues? It is a little strange, the venue switch. Um, you know, it represents a challenge to both teams. You know, they have to drive out here Friday. We have to drive out there Saturday. Uh, I think you'd rather start at home, but there's, there's benefits to both. Uh, it's just a little odd. I don't know if there's anything in particular that sticks out. It's just a, it's a weird, weird long weekend. And it, it's fun, though, because you, you get to see you know, the game ops and what, what they bring to the table on their side and, and how, what, how their fans react and, and treat the game. And then they get to see how we do things. So it's, it's a unique, cool, fun experience for sure. Um, and what we need to do really, uh, Coulter, is we just need to, to uh, look inward and, and take on the challenge and not let it overwhelm us and have fun with it and, and uh, really enjoy the rivalry that is there and, and let that lift us up and, and use the energy from that to really accelerate us to another point because, you know, it's a long season. There's lots of games after this, but we definitely want to treat it like the biggest game of the year because the biggest game of the year is always the one right in front of you. And then when you're playing a team like MSU, it just upset Annie. We enjoy the moment, baby. Nuance now you spin Radio Gris Hockey. Double dip against the rival Bobcats Friday night in Missoula, Saturday night in Bozeman, 7.30 puck drop for both of them. You can't make it down to Glacier Ice Rink. You can always find the action here on 102.9 ESPN Radio as well as on the ESPN MT app. He's Mike Anderson, head coach of the Grizz hockey team uh, here on Nuanas Now. Coach, appreciate you for being here, man. Best of luck with everything, and we'll talk next week. Yeah, sounds good. Have a good weekend. Desperado has some of the best wings in all of the state of Montana. And every Wednesday, we give you an opportunity to win some free Despo. We got a dozen wings for you. All you got to do is call right now, 406-888-1029. Call number 5-888-1029. Call right now. Wing it Wednesday, every Wednesday, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Here's a great idea. Win some wings. Go eat some wings at the Despo before the Grizz hockey game. Have yourself some beers. Go on over to the Glacier Ice Rink. Have yourself a great Friday night. Call right now, 406-888-1029. Call number five, dozen wings at the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Our one of the books, hour two coming at you, Sammy Akeb, a Grizz great, a fan favorite, and now a burgeoning football analyst. Oh, by the way, he's also a professional football player in the USFL. We'll talk all things Samuel Akeb and Grizz football next. Keep it right here. You want us now, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 